All right, we're going to be in 1 Chronicles 28 and 29 this morning, if you'll stand in honor of God's Word. Our text is going to be in 1 Chronicles 29. We'll start in 28 to get a little bit of a context to it. Pray for the VBS uh, program tonight. We're going to organize the service so that we have song, congregational singing, special message, and then we'll have the program. Brother Ted, sure appreciate Brother Ted and all the leadership this week. It went into vacation Bible school and um, making it successful. We had an, a daily average of 743 in attendance. So that was tremendous, tremendous. And um, 26 saved, I believe it is. And then also over $4,000 uh, given. There's some really rich kids that came. <laughs> and all of that is going to Ethiopia to build a church building. So I'm really excited about that, Brother Ray Hoover. Uh, he's excited. He had just been contacting me about the need that was there. And so it's wonderful uh, that we get to participate in that way. So very, very excited. So the program tonight... Hopefully we'll have a lot of families here, a lot of unchurched families, maybe lost people. So an evangelistic message. Um, so it's going to be an abbreviated message to make room, you know, for the whole program. So if you'd pray that I could preach clear and short, which would be the bigger miracle. So you I'll let you answer that. All right. First Chronicles 28 <clears throat> and David assembled all, I'm in verse one, sorry. We really could have stayed in Matthew. It's our father, which art in heaven. So we'll come to that next week. Uh, but this was in my Bible reading here recently and just really seemed to fit the theme of Father's Day. So first Chronicles 28 and uh, verse number one. And David assembled all the princes of Israel the princes of the tribes and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course and the captains over the thousands and captains over hundreds. You know, even our United States military takes advantage of the organization that was under David, captains of thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens, you know, good leadership principles here. Stewards over all the substance and possession of the king and of his sons with the officers and with the mighty men and with the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up on his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in mine heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building but God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Howbeit, the Lord God of Israel hath chosen me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler in the house of Judah and the house of my father. And among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel." And of all my sons, verse 5, for the Lord hath given me many sons. He hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon, my, upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. 
Now, for the sake of time, I, I'd, I'd like to just keep reading this. It's, it's an incredible final exhortation from King David to the nation. But for the sake of time, I'd like to get to where he prays for Solomon. Okay, so go to chapter 29, if you would. Chapter 29. And let's look at verse 1 first. It's a, it's a very key verse to the whole message, so I certainly need to read this. And then we'll read a little bit in verse 10 and following. Furthermore, David, the king said in all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, notice this, is yet young and tender. He's young and tender. And the work is what? Great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Verse 10, wherefore David, and this is after the collection, wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. Thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor are of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand, thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Notice he didn't let his position go to his head. There were times when David struggled, but here he says, But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. I want to tell you that 4,000 plus that came in, it was really God's. And he just chose to give it through children and competitive parents. <laughs> So boys against girls, obviously. All right. Verse 15, for we are strangers before thee and sojourners as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow. and There's none abiding. O Lord, our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here to offer willingly unto thee, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers. Keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. And notice the prayer for his son. And give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes and to do all these things and to build the palace 
for the which I have made provision. And then they had quite a celebration. They really did. A father's prayer. A father's prayer. Thank you for standing in honor of God's word. You may be seated. We'll consider the content and the lead up to this prayer that David prayed. It is important for us as dads to pray for our children. It is important to pray. I know that is a very clear statement um, or obvious perhaps statement. But I think I speak for most of us as dads when I say I don't pray as much as I ought to, but I pray for my kids, you know, wake up and pray in the middle of the night. Wake up and pray. Pray throughout the day. Lord, watch over them, help them. Adrian Rogers said, a, a man never reaches higher than when he's on his knees. You never reach higher than when you're on your knees. Another individual said, there's much we can do after we've prayed, but nothing we can do until we have prayed. Much we can do after we've prayed, but nothing we can do until we have prayed. Ian Bounds said, to be little with God is to be little for God. To be little with God, in other words, to spend little time with God is really not to do very much for God. To be little with God, to be little for God. And men, I, I just, I pray God would just rekindle in all of us a desire to spend time with God in prayer uh, because uh, there is so much, there is so much against the spiritual well-being of our kids. So much. There's so much that they have to learn as they're entering into life and they need orientation. And you are their orientor. <laughs> you are their mentor. You are their guide. You are their um, shepherd as their dad. You are God's agent uh, to help them know their way through this wolf-infested wilderness. Uh, they need us. They need you. We are to instruct them while their hearts are open early on. Uh, it is important to pray for our children, but also I believe it's important to pray with our children. And it's a joy. I look forward to praying with Trevor every uh, week in our men's prayer meeting. I encourage men to come out for the men's prayer meeting, 715 every Sunday morning. We meet right here and have a time of prayer. And sometimes 715 comes early. You know, I mean, it feels earlier than normal, right? And uh, I mean, there's times Trevor and I, you know, we'll pray together and I'll say, do you want to sleep first or pray first? You know, it's kind of the reality, you know, but, but uh, we, we kid around about that. But it, it's a joy to get to, to pray together and praying together at home. And, and again, I, I know all of us ought to do more there to pray. But I, and that's the reason I'm hitting it today is just that we need to, to pray uh, more. Had a privilege to teach the uh, sixth grade boys this this uh, year. Brother David uh, Perkle taught one class, and I taught the other, and uh, they listened. It floored me. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> oh, me of a little faith, I guess, right? But I mean, they're rambunctious. Uh, they're not teens, but they're not kids, and the, but they listened. And we had, uh, because of our thing, we went over the verses. We had a prayer time each day. 
And I, there was a map. It just worked out this way. There was a map in the classroom. I think maybe it was Brother Shannon's class. And there's a world map in there. And it's got the 1040 window highlighted. So every day we just kind of emphasize a certain part of the 1040 window and, and uh, the need in India, the need in China. Over a billion people in each of those two countries, uh, a piece, I mean, and, you know, one fifth of our world's population is in India and one fifth is in China and so many people there that desperately need the gospel. So we highlighted some of those countries and then I just asked, okay, who, who pray for us? Garrett Williams prayed and uh, Tucker Braun, <laughs> the son, <laughs> Seth Milliken, Seth Chandler, and they prayed it was a blessing to hear them just uh, calling on God. Lord, would you send forth laborers to China? Would you help India have more missionaries? One young man rides our bus, his name's Stanley. He grabbed my heart. He prayed. I forget which country it was for, but he prayed. Got down to the end of his prayer and said, that's all I got. I love it, but it was sincere. I think that's what he said. It was something like that. That's all I got. That's it. But he prayed. I told him, all right, let's have a reunion in 20 years after you've been <laughs> out of your first term as a missionary. Now, I didn't call them all, but I, I said, now all of y'all to be all open to it, you know, but in 20 years from now, let's meet together and have a 20 year sixth grade boys reunion. David here prayed. He prayed that God might help his son. I'm uh, you know, concerned not just about my own kids, but I'm speaking to you today as a men of the church. We need to be praying for the young men and young ladies of our church. For the college age, too. Uh, sin is prevalent, always has been. Anywhere there's sinners, there's sin. Sin nature's not gotten any better. It's still just as wicked and twisted as it always has been. But because of the lack of restraint and because of the lack of salt and light, it sure seems more on the move in our society, which calls us to arms, spiritual arms. Abraham Lincoln said a child... I appreciate uh, Brother Clint Wally passing this on to me years ago. A child is a person who's going to carry on what you've started. He's going to sit where you are sitting, and when you're gone, he'll tend to those things that you think are important. You may adopt all the policies you please, but how they are carried out depends on him. He will assume control of your cities, states, and nations. He is going to move in and take over your churches, schools, universities, and corporations. All your books are going to be judged, praised, or condemned by him. The fate of humanity is in his hands. Teach him well. Abraham Lincoln. Teach him well. Eleven different times in 1 Chronicles 28 and 29, the word father or fathers is mentioned. 
chapter 29. It's in in there several times. what, What I would like to do this morning is quite simple. I'd like to follow the text and there's several turnoff spots in the text, and I'm, but I'm going to verse 10 of chapter 29. But I, I do want us to understand what's going on so that we would appreciate what was on David's heart as he prayed for his son, Solomon. And not just his son, though. You saw he prayed for the whole nation. David obviously thought it meant much to be connected with his father's. Even when he prayed, we, we read it just a moment ago. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers. He was connected with our fathers. A gentleman named Wade Horn said this, If we stay on the current course one day, the United States will be known as the country of our founding fathers with no fathers to be found. Steve Farrar in the book, Anchorman, he wrote this. There is something you need to know. He's writing to men. There's something you need to know. And I I just want to echo this to all of you as men today. There's something that you need to know. If you are a father, and even for those that are not yet, Satan is out to get your hide. Fathers are the key and he knows it. The battle is raging for your heart and that battle is an all-out, aggressive, vicious attack. He has no scruples or ethics and will stop at nothing. And whether you believe that or not doesn't really matter to him. Satan's goal is to derail you and render you useless as a father. He nearly did that in David's life. Um, We're not reading the words today of a perfect father. He made wrong choices that had consequences. In fact, I wrote it down this way. He made wrong choices that carried consequences But he also had a relationship with God that carried grace. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that even as a father, with the mistakes I've made, the wrong choices I've made, the the wishes that I've had along the way, that you could have some mulligans in fatherhood, not just in golf. But I'm thankful that you can still have a happy Father's Day, even if you're not a perfect father. David realized the wisdom that Solomon needed. He understood the timeline of life. And that's why he said, I'm just a stranger here. Now you got to understand, he was the king of Israel, but he understood this. I'm just a shadow on this land. My shadow, I see it even now. Maybe you don't, but I see my shadow. But it's not going to be here for long. It's only here for a little while. Your shadow is only going to be here for a little while because you're only going to be here for a little while. And and yet David was concerned because he understood the work of God is bigger than what he was. And the work of God is bigger than what we are. 
And we need to be concerned about what's coming in the future for our kids. And, and he wanted to build a house for the Lord. He wanted to build a tent, a, not, a, not a tent, the house of God had been a tabernacle or a basically a tent, an elaborate tent nonetheless, but it was none other than that. It was a tent. And so David had in his heart, he wanted to build a well, the word he used in 1 Chronicles 22, a word I really like, he said, the house of the Lord must be exceeding magnifical. Now, I like that word. I don't use it all the time, but when I read it every time I smile, it's got to be magnifical. That must be really good. Magnifical. I guess I enjoyed that all by myself. But anyways, it, <laughs> David understood that the work to build this magnificent edifice was not going to be finished in his day. The work of God would go beyond him. I worked at O'Reilly's uh, Automotive uh, Warehouse in Springfield, and, and there were several shifts. You had the order fillers that came in early, and they started picking orders you know, for the parts that you need at your local O'Reilly's. And, uh, and then there was the stockers that worked alongside, you know, of course, to refill. And then the loaders, that's what, what I did. I was a lo loading a truck, two trucks every day that was going out. And then after we loaded that truck, then the delivery drivers, the truck drivers came and delivered that. I mean, it, it was in shifts. And, and what David is acknowledging, I'm at this shift, but I know there's another shift that's coming. And I, and I want to remind all of us, this man, listen, man, listen, we, we've got to do our shift well. We've got to do our duty well. We, we need to leave it better than the way even that we found it so the one that come behind us, that they're not frustrated with us and wonder what in the world did they do here? Yeah. Every now and then our, our supervisors would pull us aside and say, hey, who loaded this truck? Because they just kind of threw everything in there and the driver, you know, was, was upset to say the least because of the way it was loaded. Hey, how are you loading your truck? Gentlemen, how are you loading your truck? How, how are you filling your orders? How are you doing your task? How are you doing your job? I, I want to encourage us today to step up to the role that we have as men, to, to be inspired, to be encouraged, to do what God calls us to do. And, and so David uh, assembled all the leaders of Israel. And, and listen, I, I am so thankful for the role that ladies play and moms and grandmothers and godly ladies of this church. But listen, God's plan is still masculine leadership and in a and within a church and within a family. It's, it, it, is, it is to be that way because of God's design. I realize that's not popular in our day and time. And, and I'll tell you how it got unpopular. It's because men weren't doing what men ought to do. And somebody had to stand up. And so women started standing up where men ought to be standing. Hey, men, let's stand in our place. Let's do what God's called us to do and, and thank God for the ladies, but don't, don't punt the ball of fatherhood. Don't punt the ball of, uh, of being the man in the home or the, or the men here in the church that would teach the boys' classes. Hey, we ought not struggle to find some man to teach a class for boys. We need to put men in front of boys. Hey, I'm telling you, we, we need to have a revival of just good old-fashioned manhood. Hope every man here said amen right there. Mercy, we're in a mess in America. David had desires that he didn't get to even see happen. He had goals. But here's, here's the point. He had them all submitted to God. He had them submitted to God. Now, he struggled with his desires. And the desires that caused David problems as a man were those that were not submitted to God. Are you listening to me here this morning? Yeah. Um, as men, we are not short on desire. 
We are not suffering for a lack of goals, but here's what we're suffering from. We're hurting for a lack of submission to God. I'm concerned today. I'm concerned because our young people are being fed a mentality that's not godly. I see slogans like this, explore your passion. Uh, uh, say, it's a young culture that, that's catered to. Here's the full statement. Explore your passion, live your truth. That's dangerous. Are you listening to me? I'm telling you, that is deadly. You cannot explore your passion apart from God. Your passion needs to be submitted to him. Hey, what 15-year-old needs to explore his passion? What 15 or 17-year-old or 20-something-year-old or 30 or 40, et cetera, et cetera. What, what man here, apart from what God gives you to desire, what man here needs to live your truth? It's not your truth. That's relativistic thinking that is flooding the flooding our society and they're teaching that by slogans and banners and, and, and music and videos and, and movies and sitcoms and children's movies. Live your passion or explore your passion and live your truth. Please stop. There's a great transfer of faith that must take place. Verse number nine of chapter 28. I want you to look at that if you would, please. And thou, Solomon, my son, know what, what's the next word there? I know I just had you turn to it. Maybe you hadn't found it yet. 28, nine. Know thou the Lord. David knew God, had a meaningful relationship with God. And I know this gets emphasized often, but we're gonna keep emphasizing it because it's vital that, that if you have a, a parent that has a walk with God, that's a wonderful blessing and privilege, but it must become your personal relationship with God. If this faith is going to be transferred to the next generation, know thou the Lord, he said, know Thou, the Lord. Angie told me she uh, went yesterday to pick up some coffee and, and, a, and a gift at a new coffee shop that's opened up uh, called Black Rifle. I just kind of like the name of that. Don't have time to park there. Um, but she walked in and saw an elderly man. I, the image she gave me was he would be maybe in his 80s, somewhere right in there, maybe 70s or 80s. And had a young man, kind of a built young man, 20-something, sitting down across the table from him. And the elderly man, watch this, had his Bible open and he was helping and teaching that young man. And the young man was, Angie explained, if I remember right, up on the edge of his seat receiving it. That's good. That's good. I want to call on all the real people. I want to call on all the real men. <laughs> hey, you, you got to have a little bit of an edge on the rest of us. You're in the real people's class. So if you're a man in that class, that makes you a real man. The rest of us are just aspiring <laughs> to be there. All right. We got real men and real ladies. Hey, uh, and young men, I want to exhort all of us. We, we need to sit with some men that have, that, that have been around a while and that have lived some life because we are young and tender. In other words, we're inexperienced. We're inexperienced. And so you know, those of you that are of that gener older generation, get your Bible open and go to Black Rifle for a while. 
Yeah. <laughs> and shoot straight with them. Well, that was a good pun right there in case you didn't catch it. <laughs> shoot straight with them. Give it to them straight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Drink your coffee straight. Too. Okay, that's, that's meddling right there. But anyways, all right. Hang on. Let's get back on track here. Or maybe we are. All right. Verse 11. Then David gave to Solomon, his son, notice this, the pattern. The pattern of the porch and the houses and the treasuries and the upper chambers and the inner parlors and the mercy seat. And, and, and notice verse 12, very, all the pattern that he had by the Spirit. Notice verse number 19, all this said, David, the Lord made me understand. It went on about the priest and how they were supposed to serve and all those things. All this said, David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. Now you get into first Kings and you read how Solomon built that. I mean, it's just, I just, I'm in the process of reading it right now. First Kings seven and eight. And, and, but a little bit before that, I mean, it gets tedious. Come on, I'll admit it. You reading all, all those dimensions and everything. But what was that? That was a God-given pattern for worship. For worship. David, listen to this. David was careful and he wanted his son Solomon to be careful about the source from which he got the pattern for worship and serving God. Be careful with the source. Be careful with the source where you're getting it. David didn't come up with these plans on his own. He didn't come up, let Solomon come up with it. He did not poll the people of Israel to see what kind of worship center they wanted. He did not visit other worship centers in the land to see what kind of worship center did the Zidonians have. He did not do that. He said this, Solomon, listen, this is not up to us to decide how God ought to be worshiped and served. We ought to worship him and serve him the way that he wants to be worshiped and served. And so I am passing this on to you in writing. This is written down. I'm telling you today, listen, folks, you and I have written down for us in God's holy word how God is to be praised and to be worshiped and the work of the Great Commission and the work of the local church. And it is the pattern that has been given to us. And, and God forbid that we should take God's pattern for his local church and the holiness that it ought to exhibit and somehow alter that to fit our society a little bit more comfortably. I'm just about to get to the preaching. We've got a pattern. David prayed. God was going to do some amazing things and bringing all the skilled laborers together and giving him people. And right here, man, a little turn off spot here. Some of you are very skilled. You've got woodworking ability or working with metal or, or welding. We've got welders here. We've got electricians here. We've got, we've got men that know how to, how to do landscape. And you've been a help here at this church. I want to commend you. I, I thank God for your areas of expertise, many of which I have not even an inkling, but you do. And you're letting God use that. I commend you. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. We need men that would, would help. It's, it's such a blessing to see that that you're doing so. David had his whole heart into serving God. I must hasten here. Others joined the effort. Solomon was young and tender. I want to come back to that in just a moment. The work was great. That's really the central idea here. I, I want to come back to it in just a moment. I mean, this, this, this temple was amazing. 
seven years in the building. <laughs> we did a renovation in here that took a year and a half, right? Seven years. David invested heavily in that which would go beyond him. Are you investing heavily in that which will outlive you? You know, by faithful giving of tithes and moving ahead offering and faith promise giving we, and, and giving of your time and your effort to mentor and to try to come alongside of some young people, you get to invest heavily in something that's going to go beyond you. Listen to this. Somebody tabulated this <clears throat> and I didn't verify it. So if you want to verify it later, you certainly can and help me out. Over 46,000 tons of gold, silver, and precious stones. Mercy. They estimated the building project here over today would be over a $200 million building. Solomon, you make sure it gets built. How do you feel about that? It's like, I mean, that's a lot bigger, but it's like when your dad gives you the truck key and it's his truck. And he says, all right, bud, bring it back same way. <laughs> there's part of you that's saying, yeah. And then there's part of you saying, ooh. They were filled with joy. They were praising God. They were under God's authority. He honored, listen to this. David honored the past by preparing for the future. We've got a wonderful past. Even right here at Southwest Baptist Church. Wonderful past. You know how we honor the past? Serving God today and preparing for the future. Twenty nine ten, twenty nine nineteen. I apologize. Twenty nine nineteen. We're just going to be a few more moments here. David's prayer for Solomon was for him to have the right heart. Do you see it? It says, "God, and give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart, a complete heart, an all out heart, to keep thy commandments and thy testimonies." And thy statutes. David's prayer for Solomon, listen, was for him to have the right kind of heart for the sake of the impact that he would have on the future. So, man, I, I want to exhort you here this morning. Let's, let's pray for our sons and daughters that they might have the right kind of heart. That, that we might. I mean, let's start right here first. God, please help me as a man. Help me to have the right kind of heart before you. But then I'm praying for my kids and I'm praying for the young people of this church. God, please give us the right kind of heart so they would have the right kind of impact on the future. Because if they don't have the right heart, they won't have the right influence. They won't have the right impact. 
And here's, here's why David was so important in Solomon's life. And by the way, why every one of you as dads or granddads or every one of you as men of the church, some of you maybe don't have children, but listen, you still can have an impact on this church by having an impact on the men and young ladies of this church by being a godly example. And why you're so needed in this day and age is because of these two reasons. Out of verse number one of chapter 29, it was this, because of his inexperience and because of the importance of his upcoming God-given role. I'm telling you, that was huge. He was young and tender. He was inexperienced. And number two, the importance of what he was given to do because David recognized this. This is not a palace that is to be built for man. This is rather a palace that is to be built for God. This is God's work. And man, I want to exhort you here today because you are needed because your sons and your grandsons are inexperienced. They don't have a clue. Your daughters, granddaughters, inexperienced. So I taught that sixth grade boys class. It was a good reminder to me what it was like to be a sixth grade boy. It had been a long time. There's a lot of things they know. There's a lot of things they think they know. But in a lot of ways, they're very naive. Watch this. Here's the danger. And also the great opportunity we have. Their minds are open. Overall, their minds are open. Which means somebody needs to teach them how to handle money. They're young and tender. Somebody needs to teach them a work ethic and how to get up off the couch. And how to get out of air conditioning. Sweat. Somebody needs to teach them how to have relationships, friendships. At work. And at the lake. And on the ball field. Somebody needs to teach them how to treat a lady. With all purity. Pure-mindedness. Protecting. Somebody needs to warn them about worldliness. Somebody needs to warn them about sexual temptation and how it could just demoralize. Somebody needs to tell them about the danger that is there on their phone. Somebody needs to tell them about the danger of alcohol. Somebody needs to teach them how to speak without using cuss words. Uh, sixth graders aren't filthy mouth. Somebody needs to teach them, say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Somebody needs to teach them how to have a spiritual walk. We can't assume that they know these things, even though they grew up in church. I know one thing I'm learning is that I need to be more intentional as a man. To teach things. Teach them how deadly the sin nature is. They're open-minded. Simple. 
The dangerous side to that is the world may get to them first and teach their twisted sense of values, twisted ideas about morality and gender and sexual relationships. They're struggling with it earlier because they got the earlier access. They're young and tender. But the work they're given to do is big. It's massive. It's great. I told those young men in sixth grade, someday you're going to be a husband. You're going to get married. I watched as one of the young men did this. I mean, literally, it was classic. He cringed. Ooh. <laughs> it was awesome. I kind of hope he keeps that mentality till he's about 20-something. <laughs> till his maturity catches up. His experience, you know what I mean? Don't you wish you were just born with experience enough to know? Well, you can be if you get in God's Word and get wisdom. Someday you're going to be a father. Someday you're going to be in this local church as a leader of this church. They've got to have the right heart to have the right impact. These are their impressionable years. Somebody might say, I don't want to force my religion on my kids. I want them to make up their own minds when they're old enough. John Phillips said, so in the meantime, while you're living with that idea, that I'm going to let them make up their own mind. So he said, so in the meantime, during their impressionable years, the world forces its views on them. They're not going to let them make up their own mind. Yeah, that, that sounds, yeah, it sounds, you know, whatever. Actually, it sounds foolish. Because they need orientation. You go to a new job, you need orientation. Where's, where is everything at? You drive a car, you need orientation. This is a gas, this is a brake. Know the difference. Right? This is the horn. <laughs> you need orientation. This is how you, I, I'm doing that right now with Trevor because he's 15 and going to be getting his, you know, permit soon. I'm saying, here's how you turn the brights on. You say, well, everybody knows how to turn the brights on. Well, you've been doing it for like 20 or 30 years, so it's no big deal to you. But when you're, when you're just starting, you don't know exactly how to turn the, light, the, the brights on. I was driving a church van one time. I think it was one here. And the, the brights were down to the floor. I thought, where's the brights? And you, is it that little button you Push. I had to find that out on my own. <laughs> they need orientation. They need to know who God is, how great He is, and that they'll live their lives under His authority. It's right. He takes pleasure in uprightness of heart. And son or daughter, regardless of what the world around you is doing, you've been called to do a great work. You do it well. With the Lord's help.
So men and ladies, we need to pray that our sons and our daughters might have a heart for God and His work. Let's stand together here this morning. I appreciated this week, Angie shared with me, actually just yesterday maybe, I think it was, a news report of a man that was speaking to others, kind of in a gathering, I don't know if it was a workplace, I don't remember all the details, but he was basically saying this, we've got to fight for our kids. My mind is made up about things, and he was speaking about a particular topic, but he said, listen, they're trying to get to the minds of our children, we've got to fight for our kids. I really appreciated his zeal. We've got to fight for our kids. We're going to lose our country. We're going to lose our churches and families, etc. So God, we come to you because we're, we're no match here for the enemy's assault on truth and righteousness. <clears throat> we pray earnestly you might help us, Lord, uh, to set ourselves as men and ladies to pray. Lord, I, my heart is burdened for some young, young adults here, um, some of whom are in our college and career department and some that are still in the youth department. God, I believe, I'm afraid they're being influenced by the culture. And I just want to pray that you'd help them. I thank you for those. I, I don't want to be all negative here this morning either because I know there's a bunch of them that are really trying to serve you, God. And I just pray that you would... You'd help them to stay the course. I saw it this week. It was such a blessing, dear Lord, to see young men and ladies of this church teach, visit, work with children. It's a joy. Thank you so much. God, help us, though. We know uh, we're besieged by an enemy that wants to overrun all that is good and right and wholesome. And so we pray that you'd help us to set ourselves to prayer first and then do after that whatever you want us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.